Welcome to the Bioengineering Podcast. This podcast is currently intended to promote and increase transparency between current, future, and prospective bioengineering students and faculty. This podcast is not directly affiliated with the UC San Diego Department of Bioengineering. The following is a conversation with UC San Diego bioengineering PhD student, Clara Posner. Thank you, Clara, for being here today and taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um, I'm glad we were able to make this happen, and so let's get right to it. Um, your research lab, Dr. Jin Zhang's lab, I know um, in the brief time we've known each other in a, about over a year or so, I've gotten to know a little bit about what you, about, about what you do and what your research encompasses. So um, could you just talk about maybe your research, how you uh, came to find the lab, and, you know, kind of translations of the work in the practical and literal sense. And I know that you finished an industry internship over this past summer. So um, if you could elaborate on anything of that nature, that would be great. Yeah. Um, so I joined, uh, I first learned about Jean's research uh, through the Wednesday seminars, where professors who are recruiting students uh, present on their research. And uh, I emailed her right away. I really liked um, the fluorescent microscopy images and the cell signaling work that she was doing. And so I asked to do a rotation. And I, um, that was winter quarter of my first year. Um, and I entered as a master's thesis student, but I was interested in transitioning into the PhD. Um, so I kind of told her that. And I did a winter quarter rotation with a postdoc and a grad student in our lab. Um, and I cloned two different biosensors and I quite finished the cloning process, but I got to image one of them, kind of get a taste of what the lab work was like. And that postdoc and that grad student were really, um, really nice mentors, even if I messed up. I uh, like remember emailing them saying like, oh, I messed up this like digest and um, I'm going to come back in the next day and redo it. And they both responded, that's okay. You did a good job. And I characteristically did not do a good job because it didn't work. Um, but I really like the atmosphere. I thought that that kind of mentorship um, is kind of the vibes that I got from that lab and from Jean. And um, I really like that environment. But I joined the bioengineering graduate program because I was interested in tissue engineering research. So I really wanted to work with Karen Chrisman. So I was able to set up a rotation with her uh, for the spring quarter. Um, she told me pretty upfront, like, I don't have room for a PhD student if you're trying to transition, but I do have room for you to do a master's project. Um, so I worked for her for that spring quarter and for part of the summer and I was working on a mouse model of uh, non-dilative cardiomyopathy. And I realized I had some experience already, but I didn't want to do animal work. And um, so I, at that time in the summer, was looking into uh, Jeff Hasty's lab in synthetic biology. And I emailed him uh, with great timing. Uh, he let me then... Uh, join or rotate in his lab as a master's student. So for the next nine months, um, so most of my second year, I actually worked in Jeff Hasey's lab trying to um, create a single plasmid version of um, this oscillating uh, circuit in bacteria that a former PhD student in his lab had created. And um, 
when it came to, I was entering spring quarter of my second year as an MS student, I asked Jeff, you know, is there a possibility I could transition into the PhD working with you? Um, and at the time, he said he didn't have funding for that. And I actually, around that time, ran into my former postdoc mentor from Gene's lab. And I talked to that postdoc about my situation, how I was looking for a lab to do a PhD in. And uh, the postdoc recommended that I reach out to Gene, that Gene is always recruiting students. And um, so I did. And uh, based on uh, our positive interactions and my research uh, work in the rotation the previous year, Gene um, allowed me to transition uh, into the PhD and join her lab. So um, I rotated a long time, didn't officially join her lab till spring quarter of my second year. Um, and immediately I applied for uh, the Molecular Biophysics Training Grant, um, which is run through the chem biochem department. So then in my third year, I took one class per quarter uh, in the chemistry department. Uh, so I got funded from the NIH for that training grant. And then also I got additional more chemistry related um, coursework and training. And um, yeah, since I have joined her lab, I've worked on a few projects. Uh, we all, most of the projects work with genetically encoded fluorescent biosensors to look at cell signaling activities. Specifically, we do a lot of different kinase activity reporters uh, called CARS, K-A-R. Um, and the biggest work that I've worked on is I told Gene I wanted to be an engineer. <laughs> As a bioengineer, I wanted to work on more engineering type projects. So a former postdoc in our lab had um, built this automated liquid handling combined microscope system. So it has an open source liquid handler from Opentrons on top of a fluorescent microscope. Um, so typically our lab work, when we're looking at uh, protein activities, we um, stimulate them with drugs and image um, in real time the changes and activities um, measured by changes in fluorescence in our reporters. And um, the system does the drug addition for you and the imaging um, and can do a 96 well plate all by itself. It runs over several hours. But um, so I was, uh, that's kind of my biggest project was wrapping this up, doing experiments um, to look at um, this proton sensing GPR, GPCR GPR-68. So I was using this system to do um, media pH exchanges and uh, characterize its response to a drug uh, that positive allosteric modulator that enhances its response to the um, pH changes. So for practical translations of the work, I guess, um, I'd say we're kind of like an assay development tool development lab. Um, that also does a lot of cell signaling, uh, like fundamental science research. And um, these assays that we develop, um, or these reporters that we develop are really good tools for screening um, potential therapies, lots of compounds and drugs, and then also for investigating aberrant signaling um, in disease states. And um, so based on this experience that I had in my lab, I, um, was able to kind of network my way into a summer internship this past summer uh, with someone I know who works at Janssen Pharmaceuticals, uh, the pharmaceutical side of Johnson & Johnson. And he works in the um, kind of assay development 
automation team. Um, and I thought, you know, this liquid handling combined microscope that I had been working on is uh, assay development and automation-based tool. So a lot of the skills uh, were highly translatable to this team at Janssen. Um, so at Janssen, for my summer internship, instead of working on um, fluorescence or um, fluorescence or Forrester Residence Energy Transfer or FRET-based assays, I worked on a bioluminescence assay or BRET, uh, Bioluminescence Residence Energy Transfer Assay. Um, and so basically, uh, this assay had been developed for, look, uh, for reading on a plate reader. Um, so this plate reader reads the well signals sequentially. Um, so they treat with the compound library for 30 minutes and can measure the response to stably acting compounds. Um, but there are also more dynamic plate readers that have automated liquid handling capabilities in them. Um, so my work was trying to translate this assay from that kind of static plate reader onto a plate reader with liquid handling capabilities that can read all the wells on the plate simultaneously. So we can add drugs using the liquid handling capability and immediately start measuring the response and the kinetics of that response. Um, so that particular project um, unlocked a new uh, tool um, for drug screening uh, for a particular disease target where um, instead of biasing towards more stably acting compounds uh, due to limitations of the assay, we can um, now look at the effect of a, a compound library uh, on the kinetics. So um, that was really great work and uh, it was really fun. Uh, I got to meet, at the end of my 12 week internship, I got to present to a huge um, group of collaborations because um, it's a huge pharma company. So you have people in Bursa, uh, Belgium, I think, in Spain, um, in, in uh, Pennsylvania, La Jolla site where I worked. And so um, listening to all these different scientists from all over uh, working on this particular disease uh, target and presenting my results on the assay that I was developing, it was really exciting, really collaborative. Um, and so I'm really hoping once I graduate that I can work in a similar environment. That's great. Wow, that was, that was awesome. Um, throughout uh, your um, insights there, I had to think of a few questions because I was fascinated by a few of the things you said. Um, first, circling back to the very beginning, uh, whoever's listening to this, um, it's good to keep your options open. As you can see, Clara rotated in several labs and ultimately went back to a lab she had previously rotated in. So make sure to keep your options open and, 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 and you never know um, what may arise and what may come up in your opportunities in your life and uh, at least here at UCSD in bioengineering, right? Um, and so the, uh, there was a particular word that was used a lot uh, in Clara's um, description of her, you know, last five, six years of her uh, hard work and dedication. That was the word biosensor. And um, it's a super buzzword, um, really popular uh, word that's used in bioengineering and medical devices. Um, funny enough, I work in a different sector, if you will, of uh, biosensors where we do electrochemical based, enzymatic based biosensing. Um, but the biosensing you described is a little bit different. And so 
Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, you said biosensing f to understand sort of cell functionality. Um, could you elaborate just a little bit on the type of biosensors that you are referring to and kind of the things that um, encompass a biosensor in your field? Uh, yeah, so there's a few types of um, biosensors that our lab mainly works with. I kind of mentioned before this kinase activity reporter. Um, so the main function of kinases is to phosphorylate its target. Um, so it does a post-translational modification to mm. another protein. So our biosensors um, usually, or this particular type of biosensor contains a sensing domain that has um, the substrate region that can be phosphorylated by the kinase of interest. And when it gets phosphorylated, it will bind to um, another region on the sensor called the phosphoamino acid binding domain, which causes a conformational change in the sensor that um, brings, in the FRET-based sensor, it brings together these two fluorescent proteins capable of this um, resonance energy transfer. So there's a donor and an acceptor fluorescent protein. So um, when these two uh, fluorescent proteins are brought together um, during the conformational change, um, there's a resonant energy transfer from the donor fluorescent protein to the acceptor fluorescent protein such that when you excite with the, uh, the donor fluorescence excitation, there's emission now of the acceptor because of this energy transfer. And then the donor won't emit a photon like normal. It'll instead transfer that energy to the acceptor, and the acceptor will emit a photon. Um, and the photon in the uh, acceptor's fluorescence emission spectra. Gotcha. Okay. Great. Uh, thank you for the clarification. Um, so, yeah, we talked about your internship. That was great. I think that's another good insight um, for folks who are interested in going into industry after their PhD or after their MS and maybe an opportunity to understand how a local San Diego company uh, like Janssen Pharmaceuticals operates. Um, so let's segue to the second kind of part of this conversation, a little bit maybe more um, lighthearted and more fun. And that's the Bioengineering Graduate Society, or also known as BEGS. So Claire has been really instrumental in the development um, of this organization. And so I thought she'd be a great person to talk to to give everybody who's listening an insight into BEGS and about and perhaps its history and uh, what the org was like when uh, Clara first arrived to UCSD uh, and, and how has it changed, per se, um, since you've joined BEGS. And obviously, you know, I'll leave the floor up to you on what you what you envision for the future of the organization. So if you could elaborate on those things, I mean, that'd be great. Yeah, um, I guess first off, why did I do what I did in bags? Um, I really care about community. Um, so I really wanted to be involved in our community. So I joined a lot of committees in my first year as a graduate student. I was on outreach committee, breakfast with industry committee, um, I forget, uh, community development All committee. of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just wanted to help out. And um, what I, like, throughout the years why I stayed involved for so long is because I felt the amount of effort that I put in scaled with the amount that I got out of it. I could directly help my fellow um, bioengineering graduate students 
much more easily than I could get an experiment to work in lab. So there was a lot of kind of validation. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it felt really good. Even if I wasn't succeeding so well in lab, being able to put on an event, a new program uh, that I could see the impact on our community, um, that really <laughs> helped me get through grad school, I think. So when I first joined BAGS, I was on quite a few committees. Um, it had kind of a very horizontal structure. There was a president overseeing many chairs and VPs. VP internal was actually mostly community development chair. Hmm. VP external was mostly uh, industry chair. Um, so uh, when that president, Marty Spang, that was in my first year, and he was president also in my second year, he wanted to step down when I was entering my third year. But um, I think because of the horizontal structure of the organization, all of the other officers only saw or oversaw a very small portion of the organization, mm -hmm. making it pretty daunting to uh, find someone who wanted to step up into this role of huge responsibility, huge management over a lot of different aspects of the organization. Um, so luckily, I, I really wanted to transition into president. I was VP internal. Um, and breakfast with industry chair in my um, second year. I started the BEGS newsletter. Um, I also ran community development a lot differently. Um, and so uh, when I was able to transition to PhD, then I basically applied for the president role uh, uncontested. <laughs> and then <laughs> when I took over the president role, I decided that um, in order to better uh, train successors, and to uh, manage uh, the organization a little bit better, um, I actually wanted to mimic the undergraduate organization, Biomedical Engineering oh, Society, wow. Oh, wow. Um, with an executive board. And many other organizations do this too. But instead of having VP internal and external chair committees, I wanted them to become an executive board with the president um, so that they oversaw saw at least half of the organization directly, but we were discussing as an executive board together org level changes so that either one of those VPs could actually be, you know, comfortable with taking over the president role in the next year. Uh, so we want to have people um, trapped in president role. Basically, if they step down, they feel like the organization might not flourish. Um, so after my third year and being president that I wanted to step down to um, demonstrate that we could have um, VPs take over the president role mm -hmm. and also because I wanted to build more in the organization and at the president role in a management role it's very difficult to be the one leading so many new initiatives um, and I really wanted to start more mentorship oriented type um, programming in the organization so I stepped down as president um, Ariel Wong uh, took over from she was the former VP internal when I was president um, and then I anointed myself mentorship chair. So I was mentorship chair for three years. Um, and as mentorship chair, the things that um, I really wanted to develop was uh, more formal mentorship programs for incoming graduate students. Um, I personally was very proactive at social events to meet um, senior student, graduate students and get their advice. But I knew that a lot of my peers or incoming first years that might not be so easy to achieve. So I really wanted to build a formal pairing program of senior students with um, 
incoming students um, to provide that opportunity for them. And then we also had mixers. Um, and then in the last year or two, I also wanted to expand mentorship opportunities for undergraduates as well. Um, so I started uh, in a collaboration with um, the B BMES VP external, I think, myself and um, some of my committee members, we started a graduate school mentorship program for undergraduate students in the bioengineering department. So they were paired with um, graduate students um, to help them kind of navigate applying for grad graduate programs. Um, and we put on uh, various workshops, like how to do a personal statement, how to choose schools, how to choose between different levels of graduate programs. Um, and there were a lot of key people who helped me with that program. Um, and so when we, uh, so that's still going. I think it's in its second year. Mm -hmm. um, and yes. we keep improving. Yeah. Um, Vikrant is in charge now of that. And um, Patrick Castle really helped who's the current president. Right. Um, I don't know, so many committee members. But, um, yeah, so I'm really proud of the mentorship program, um, having explicit events geared towards that. Um, but it all really started, for me, in community development. My first committee that I ran in BEGS was the Community Development Committee. So at that time, most of the BEGS events, when I joined the department, we had monthly happy hours mm -hmm. with a keg of double IPA, <laughs> the favorite of uh, the former VP internal Eddie. And um, I just remember those were the main events. We had town hall uh, run by our academic chair and we had breakfast with industry. And then we had a couple outreach activities. So, um, so the events were a little limited. Yeah. And it was confusing. I think, like, myself and others in my first year didn't know whether or not we were members of BEGS or if we had to pay membership dues. Mm -hmm. And um, so starting when I became an officer, I really hammered home, everyone's a member of BEGS. You don't need to pay membership dues. You can just come out as a graduate student. Um, and then the happy hours were not super popular. Maybe it's because of the double IPA had a role, I would say. This is possible, yes. <laughs> but basically, that was our major budget for bags mm. then, were these happy hours that were about four or $500 a month. Yeah, so the budget has increased, right? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, by a very large amount. Right. Well, that's the thing is that a lot of the, like, academic chair was a chair by himself. He didn't have committee members. They didn't, he did town hall. In an NSF GRP workshop. Mm -hmm. That was it. Yeah. And um, having things like grad talks or having more funding related panels like the AHA or the F31 or um, the boot camp for biomechanics and all that stuff, that wasn't a thing. So, um, yeah, there wasn't a need for as much budget. And um, our VP external at the time didn't host a single industry event to my knowledge in my first year so we didn't have industry events um so yeah the budget it was around four or five hundred dollars a month for these happy hours and in my second year as the chair of the community development committee 
I wanted to create more diverse events for our community that would draw out people with varying interests uh, to be able to get to know each other. So we had things like a Thanksgiving potluck. We did, I think, um, a dumpling making party in the grad lounge for the Chinese New Year. We had a ping pong tournament. We went on hikes. And um, this was my first like leadership opportunity in BEGS. And so the way that I wanted to run the Community Development Committee is that I didn't want to come up with all the events and then tell my committee members, go do them. I would have our committee brainstorm what we wanted to do as a committee. And then I said, okay, then you're going to do this event. You know, Michael, you want to go for a hike? Okay, so you're going to organize it and I'm going to help get you whatever you need. Uh, we're going to plan it. So um, that's how I ran it. And basically at the start was a lot of hands-on mentoring of my committee members. By the end, it was pretty much just running the meeting at the start of the quarter of like, what are we going to do this quarter? And then, you know, if they needed me to do paperwork or like figure something out, I helped them out. So mm -hmm. really that style of empowering the committee members to be their own leaders of their own initiatives um, was something I started in community development committee. But then it's something that I've done. The two years I did breakfast with industry um, as the chair or for the mentorship committee, slash academic committee one year. I was both mentorship and academic chair. Um, all of those committees, and I try and train officers too when I'm giving them advice, and even VPs and executive board people, is that you really want to help people in initiatives that they're passionate about um, so that they're successful and they'll want to continue on that role, but then um, you really want to train them in how to lead others um, and keep that process going so that the organization can... Uh, sustain and uh, have takeover of people wanting to go into higher and higher leadership um so what do i envision for bags yeah yeah like uh you know um future directions right in your uh the um student population i think the masters especially has like doubled it feels this year um, so turnout is so much more for the events. Like we had like, I don't know, 130 people show up for our bonfire at the start of the year. So with so many people, I hope that there's even more um, participation in BEGS in all of these committees. Like professional development committee was an idea from Rayanne who was on the mentorship committee. And I really wanted to help uh, her create this new committee that would especially give uh, work on skills uh, that were useful for both in graduate school and later and also explore careers outside of conventional industry or academic careers. Um, so professional development is pretty new. Mentorship is my baby. Oh, also one of the biggest changes I made in the organization is the bear hug event. Mm. When it started, I think it was in its fifth year or whatever, it was just like a happy hour like every other in fact all of the happy hours might have been called bear hugs i'm not sure there's some kind of th branding lost but i'm and there were a couple of faculty who might show up casually grab a beer and a slice of pizza and so um before my second year i thought oh i really want this event to be like a formal homecoming kind of like gathering event well, it certainly is that now. <laughs> and at the time, when I asked Marty, who was president, I was like, how does funding work? He said, it's a black box. We just do what we want. 
So I spent $10,000 in the first year. I ordered like tri-tip steak and cedar plank roasted salmon. It's wow. very fancy catering menu. Um, and you know, over a hundred people showed up, lots of professors. Um, and, uh, it was really well liked and, uh, successful event. And so, um, yeah, after that, that's the level that bear hug has been at. Now some people yeah, that's like, the standard. like to give me people who knew what it was like in my first year and be- before that sometimes will like to annoy me by saying they miss just the beer and pizza. But, um, Yeah, I wanted it to be an opportunity for people to gather at the start of the school year again and then for incoming students really to get a chance to meet more senior students and hopefully some faculty members and um, get the ball rolling and welcome everyone. And uh, one way I hope that that grows this year it has had some, but um, I'd like to strengthen alumni turnout. Um, alumni involvement with our community. We have so many local alumni who are working in industry here. Yes, definitely, yes. Um, and I think uh, strengthening our alumni network will be really helpful for our current students and then future alumni. Um, and then maybe for this expansion in bags and expansion in funding, we can actually get alumni donation um, back into the organization to help it um, operate. And I think... I think there is an alumni chair now, but I'm not sure how much. Uh, I think that position could really grow. Yeah. We could have more totally. alumni-centered um, type networking and um, panels. Um, I did have, like, for example, with alumni, a postdoc panel. Um, so there's uh, it was about doing an industry postdoc versus an academic postdoc versus doing a postdoc at the NIH. Um but really tapping into our alumni network, we have so much there. Um, and industry chairs this year have done um, a happy hour in Little Italy where some alumni yeah. showed up. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot more career development. Um, one of the things, if I could do it, I envision the website having a lot of resources on potential industries um, that oh, graduates yeah, of a, a program idea. could go into with maybe testimony from um, alumni who currently work in those fields. Um, For example, like data science, which my friend who worked with Todd Coleman, uh, she now works as a data scientist um, at a company called Chromacode. Um, So all sorts of different careers. Uh, We have tons of alumni working uh, different um, companies and different career paths that um, the more connected and the more resources we can provide for current students, Um, the better. And then for our alumni network to grow, that we alumni can network with each other even stronger if we want to, you know, change careers, change companies. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, and, you know, on your point of having so many more new students, a higher volume of students, there's going to be obviously a higher volume of alumni as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So something to look forward to, I suppose, if um, we or whoever's listening um, wants to stay in San Diego after school. Um, well, we can also, to build on that, like alumni all over. Like some alumni have been coming back to San Diego from Boston, from sure. Japan. But also sure. having that network of alumni, like keeping in touch if they're in the Bay Area, yeah. if they're in True. Boston or in different countries. Um, yeah. Well... That was great. Um, That was a very thorough analysis of the history of bags. Uh, 
really the epitome of um, taking something and leaving it better than you found it, I suppose, is something that you did. And I think um, many people are um, grateful and uh, are appreciative to have had you around for these last few years. And um, we look forward to obviously have you having you around as an alumni yourself. So uh, here soon. Um, yeah. Um, any any uh, last thoughts or parting words uh, you have uh, into the microphone? Yeah, I thought about um, the things that I did for our department. Um, I was a little bummed at one point thinking or realizing people don't know that I did some of those things, like the bear hug we have today. People don't know that I was the one who changed it. But um, it gives me comfort to see like these new officers like yourself doing new initiatives like this podcast. Um, I don't know about hope... the podcast, but yeah, this <laughs> th- this could be one of one uh, or, or one of many. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, just my passion is really trying to help people, and I hope to be the shoulders that other people stand on um, to make this department and organization uh, even better with more initiatives, more uh, resources, and more fun times. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.